Another amazing episode of Retrovaniacs. As always, I'm Jeremy Parmentier here with Billy Holiday. Hello there. And Jeremy Gregory. Hey guys. And uh, we're going to talk today about Oddworld Stranger's Wrath. Uh, it's our first Xbox game we've covered. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I love the series, and uh, and this one is definitely notable. Uh, I guess the series is only four games. They're all notable. Uh, but uh, before we get to that, other than Animal Crossing, that I know we all have been playing, uh, we're going to record a separate episode for the bonus feed just about Animal Crossing. It should be up either the same day or the day after this episode posts. And uh, and again, right now, until May 1st, at least, probably longer, we are not charging at all for our Patreon. I mean, it, it says there's a charge, but there will not be a charge to you until at least May 1st. So if you want to listen to our bonus episodes we have so far, there's 20-plus of them, plus this Animal Crossing show, uh, go ahead and sign up at the, uh, the $5 minimum mark, and you will get access to all those shows and just unsubscribe before May 1st. And you will not get charged a dime, but we do want everyone to enjoy these episodes right now because a lot of people have a lot of free time. Uh, but other than Animal Crossing, with that free time, Jeremy, what have you been playing since our last show? Well, uh, in, in an effort to kind of get me away from playing really every single day, <laughs> I, uh, I, I played a lot of Fantasy Star Online 2 last week. Mm. Uh, because I don't know if you guys know this or not. I'm going to say you probably don't because no one does. Uh, it came out last week, uh, really only on the Xbox One. Uh, it's been out in beta form or whatever for quite a while in Japan, and uh, uh, but it's never been available here. So it's now released in beta form on Xbox One, but really not anywhere else. No PC, no PS4, nothing. It just kind of came out and like five people know about it. But it popped up on like the Xbox One dashboard is like Fantasy Star Online 2. I was like, well, shit, I'm a huge fan of Fantasy Star Online back in the Dreamcast days. I love that game. Let's try some Fantasy Star Online 2. And uh, did either of you enjoy Fantasy Star Online back in the day? Yeah, definitely. I, I played a lot of Fantasy Star Online on the Dreamcast. Uh, it was the only thing I had that was really networked uh, and, and worked very well. I mean, there were some other online games I, I tried, but uh, that's the only one that really worked well. Uh, I I got really into it kind of like Diablo, and then I stopped playing it after like a month and never went back to it. But I really enjoyed that month. 
Yeah, and for me, it, it was just something I was never, never quite into. Um, I, I can't say that I played it even the first time. I have since then watched, you know, uh, read a couple things about it, watched a couple of things about it in in various Dreamcast retrospectives. Yeah, the the original Fantasy Star Online was my first big online game that I basically got addicted to. Uh, I was like, this this online thing could actually work, and doing instead of playing like you know shooters or something like that, this was. Uh, you know, playing together and running these little dungeons and fighting bosses and getting loot. And I enjoyed that. And Fantasy Star Online 2 is uh, really just that. Uh, it is every bit as simple at first as the original Fantasy Star Online. It even looks <laughs> like the original Fantasy Star Online. It's like a, a high-res Dreamcast game almost. Uh, it, I can see it, it is not one of the better-looking games out there. It runs very well, uh, but it is it is a very simple anime Fantasy Star Online-looking game. Uh, the problem is once you get past the initial first, uh, I guess, tutorial mission where you're out in the world, and these levels, if you remember Fantasy Star Online, they look and and they're designed basically exactly like they were on the Dreamcast, like these very narrow kind of areas that you can go into, and they kind of open up into these just enough to kind of move around a little bit and, and kill some enemies. It's still ex exactly like that. So you're playing that, you, you kill a boss, and you're just like, yeah, this is great. I could do this. Like, this is really fun. And then it actually kind of starts the real game. And since this is 2020 and you can't just make that game anymore, it has added dozens of things on top of this very simple game that it, it, it just kind of drowns out all of the fun that it has at being a simple kind of sort of MMO. Uh, just... Once you get into the lobby, uh, there are tutorials upon tutorials upon tutorials and that are all basically required to do because they lock very important parts of the game behind them that, you that the game doesn't even tell you. Like this game is very bad at telling you things. Uh, you don't even have to play it more than like 30 minutes to realize that. Uh, menus on top of menus, it is just everything is everywhere. It's, it doesn't do a good job of explaining itself. There's systems all over the place. And once I played for about five days, just because I was so angry, I was like, I'm going to learn this because this can't just be this insane. It is. It just has so much to learn. And by the time I finished learning it all, maybe around day five, I realized I didn't want to play Fantasy Star Online 2 anymore. Mm. It just, it's one of those things that just sucks the fun out of a, what should be a very simple and fun uh, dungeon kind of looter. And it really bummed me out. So uh, that was kind of my experience with Fantasy Star Online 2. Um, I, I don't know. If you enjoyed the original, go and check it out. It's not, you know, you can get, it's free. So you can just get in there and check it out. Uh, but I know, maybe you'll end up liking it more than I did. I just wish it would kind of stuck with, with the more simple aspects of the original without putting all of this extra stuff on top that just made it not worth not worth playing for me. Well, I'm still working through my backlog. Uh, you know, I mentioned I finished Red Dead Redemption 2, and I finished uh, Persona Q2 on the Game Boy. So then I, or Game Boy, on the 3DS. So I started looking through my other 3DS games. I'm finding, especially with, uh, you know, in my state, they've closed all the schools, so I've got my kids home all the time, which was most of my gaming time during the day. Uh, so I, I've ended up going back to handhelds for most of my stuff. So I, I, I finished uh, Hey Pikmin, 
which I, I like. It's not as good as a, a traditional Pikmin game, but I did enjoy it. And I finished that, and now I'm back to Persona Three Dancing and Persona Five Dancing <laughs> on my uh, on my Vita. Those are really good too. If you like those sort of games, if you don't like music dancing games, then this is completely uh, like even if you're a big Persona fan, if you don't like dancing games like music based games, then the Persona Four Dancing actually had like a story and and it had you know, cutscenes and all this stuff to watch. This does not. This is literally just all the songs from the game. And, and there are the social links so that you can talk to the, you know, the, the people in your party. And kind of, you know, they all have like, well, I'm afraid of dancing. Well, you have to believe in yourself. Like, it's all, it's all this ridiculous stuff. Uh, but I've been playing a lot of that, and I'm enjoying it. Uh, the songs are very long. I think, I think the average song is like four minutes, which for a dancing game level is super long. Uh, so those games, and of course Animal Crossing, which we'll talk about later. Uh, the other thing I found is uh, we were just trying to find anything else to do on the Switch uh, since my kids are home, and I was trying to find like a, a co-op game, and d- like for under a dollar, it was discounted ninety percent. I think we we downloaded a game called Piku Niku, and I'd never played it before, and because it had uh, like a two-player co-op version, and basically. You only have two buttons. You can jump and you can kick, and your character looks like his legs are made out of of like almost like a string material. So when you kick, it has a, a, a ridiculous physics for everything you kick. It flies around the screen. So if you're playing with two, another person, you're kicking them all around the screen while they're trying to kick, you know, a ball back and forth, or if they're trying to figure out a puzzle by like kicking acorns across the screen, you can just kick the acorn back. I don't know. It ended up causing a lot more fights than fun, but I but I really do like it. And for under a dollar, I had enough gold points that it was completely free. So that's nice. I, I did. I have been enjoying that. But yeah, other than that, a lot of handheld action. Uh, and of course, the game we're going to talk about today. But Billy, what have you been playing? Well, you know, I, I've, we're going to talk about that Animal Crossing later on. That has taken up the vast majority of my time. However, also, I, I've, I've mainly been on the Switch. Um, and, I, you know, I, I switched over and I got that, uh, that Animal Crossing themed Switch that, that came around. Uh, so I, I finally put to the test the whole the whole cloud save from Nintendo, and I transferred from one Switch to the other. And I will say that it was seamless, but it, it was a good time for me because my other one was just uh, kind of full of a lot of games that I should have deleted, but I, I just never did. So it was kind of full filled to the brim space wise. So this time I, I really picked and choose what I re-downloaded, and I started focusing on that Cuphead again. Now, now, Cuphead, last time I left off, I was well, I was on what is essentially like a, a boss rush uh, as the that, you know, the dice <laughs> fucking king of dice, whatever he is. Yeah, well, it, it's a boss it, rush, but it's all new bosses. It's not the one you already new fought. Bosses, it's yes, just but, yeah, uh, a gauntlet. At, at best, I think you have to fight like, was it four of them? Yeah, four of them and then the final. And then him. And that uh, put me off Cuphead. The for at least a couple months, and I picked it back up. I spent the better part of the week working through that one, just kind of one at a time, really perfecting all the bosses you can encounter on it. And I finally got through that. I'm now sitting on the last boss. Um, I Maybe I'll get through it. Maybe I won't. But uh, I, I'm continuing through that one. Another game I, I kind of picked back up on the Switch. I re-downloaded I. And I needed to stay away from this one because it gets ugly. I got that Binding of Isaac redownloaded again. And that is a game I will sit and I will play for hours upon hours on end. Um, and, and I've just been playing through it again. And it's a, it's a nice game to just kind of sit down. If I have a few minutes, I feel like I can I can traverse a good bit of it. 
but you can still get stuck on there and play at length. Um, so I've been doing that. And of course, like I said, Animal Crossing, which we'll talk about and just other little games here and there. Nothing, nothing really significant. I haven't had a lot of free time. Uh, so I've just, I've just been kind of hopping around games. So like we said, we will do a bonus show about Animal Crossing. It should be up again today or tomorrow when you're listening to this. Uh, if you're listening too late, then it's already up uh, on our bonus feed. Uh, but let's dive into this week's game. Oddworld Stranger's Wrath for the Xbox. Oddworld series in general before we played this game. Now I was familiar uh, with with the rest of the series. Um, I knew of this game leading into it, but had never played it. Um, you know that original Xbox was was basically the only system, I think, and and you know since the NES on that I, I didn't pick up. Uh, well, I mean that and the, the you know Turbo Graphics. Uh, so I had never encountered this one. I knew about Oddworld. Um, I did not know, as we will talk about as we go along, that this one was as far a departure from those other ones as it is. Uh, and I was a, a pretty big fan of the first game uh, on the original PlayStation. I thought it looked amazing. Uh, it was right up my alley because I love games like, uh, you know, Out of This World and Flashback and stuff like that. So, yeah, I, anything that had Oddworld on it, I, I would generally uh, grab up as soon as I found it, except this one. Uh I, because, like Billy said, whenever I saw, you know, this announced and it had Oddworld, I was pretty excited. But then I saw what it was, and I, I was not excited anymore. Like, this is not what I want Oddworld to be. Uh, this definitely looks more like something, like a, a modern game with just the Oddworld style or name just slapped onto it just to maybe, you know, have that there and, and make it a little bit more sellable than it would be if you just made a uh, an original game. Well, I, I was a huge fan of the original Oddworld. I played uh, through all. I played through Abe's Odyssey uh, actually recently uh, on the the new and tasty remake that came out. But I tried the original. I never got through it because I was determined to get all the Mudokins. The original Oddworld was called Abe's Odyssey. Uh, it was a a two D platform puzzler. It was not necessarily an action game. I mean, you had to run and jump and do some things, but really, it was all about avoiding enemies, staying stealthy rescuing people and you know eventually getting to the point where you you kind of learn how to, you can earn a weapon uh like abilities that you can go back and and kind of take on your your enemies in the game i really really like that game a lot um and then they put out a sequel to that called abe's exodus a year later uh for playstation as well it's just more of the same uh, they added a few things but it's the same kind of game not breaking the mold there uh then for the xbox when it first came out the next oddworld game uh, oddworld munch's odyssey came out and that's it's similar to Abe's Odyssey in that there's a lot of puzzles to do. It is still about rescuing people, but you can actually then take the people you rescue and, and almost use them. You can give them commands, and they will go do certain tasks for you, and you can only do certain things if you have so many people captured. Like, you need 20 people to open this gate or whatever. Um, so it was different. It was 3D instead of being 2D. Uh, I, 
I never thought it was a great game. Munch's Odyssey, I thought, felt like it was kind of unfinished, but it still wasn't a bad game, uh, and it still felt like an Oddworld game. You know, all the Oddworld games have these these really strange creatures that don't look like, you know, standard fantasy creatures or, or space creatures. They're just these things that they all kind of look weird and organic, and all the games have that kind of, like, eco-conscious storyline in the background. You know, the, the bad guys run these big factories that eat all these the the native species from these these planets and such, Oddworld, Abe's Odyssey, and Munch's Odyssey have that same theme. So Stranger's Wrath came out in 2005. I pre-bought this. I was so excited for it because I loved the previous games in the series. I did have an Xbox. Uh, I bought it when Shenmue 2 was going to come out for it in the U.S. because it wasn't coming out for Dreamcast. So I ran out and bought an Xbox then. And, and I only have a handful of Xbox games even still. But Stranger's Wrath was one that I bought. Uh, you know, the day it came out, and I was super excited about it. I didn't mind that it's a different style of game. Uh, Stranger's Wrath, unlike the first two games in the series, uh, is is a essentially a, a like a, an action shooter uh, that has a, a mix of both first person camera and a third person behind view. They have different benefits to it. You can't use your weapons in the third person view. You can only use the weapons when you're in that first person view. But in third person, you can run very very fast, and there are some sort of platform sections that really, really work much better, in my opinion, in the third person. So you have to do a lot of switching back and forth. It is There are no puzzles, really. I mean, most of the puzzles are just, how do I shoot things, or how do I kill this enemy? How do I, uh, you know, how do I get around this fight? But it's not, you know, you're not rescuing people like you did in the previous games. The, the previous Outward games had what was called, like, odd speak or something, but basically your character would talk to other characters in the game to accomplish their goals. There's none of that in this game. I mean, you talk to people, but you talk to them like you would in any other third-person adventure game where you walk into a town and you you know hit the button next to somebody and you talk to them. It, it is it is a, a huge departure from Oddworld while still feeling like, uh, you know, Jeremy mentioned it looks like an Oddworld game. It has all those touches on it. Uh, you know, all the characters look like that weird, organic, semi-alien uh, sort of feel. And the game still has that eco-conscious storyline in the background. But otherwise, it is as far a departure from the first game as I could imagine. And this is a rootin' tootin' one. Also, you, you probably didn't feel that far removed having just finished Red Dead when you popped this one in. No, it's definitely got a very Western vibe. Um, you, you play as Stranger, who is a bounty hunter. And so for the first part of the game, and it does change at a certain point, so I will warn you, if you want to play Stranger's Wrath right now, I believe it's available on the Switch in an HD format, uh, pretty much every system. But uh, it, there is a, a point in the middle of the story where things kind of change and we're going to spoil the shit out of it so if you care about that stop listening i guess and <laughs> play the game and then you'll know when you've gotten there and then you can come back and listen uh, to the rest of our thoughts on this game this game it, since you're a, a bounty hunter the first parts of the game you go to a town you go to the bounty store and you get a bounty there will be a list of people you can hunt down they all have ridiculous names and you then you know, it's almost open world, but not quite. It, it normally will give you, like, the area to go and find this boss, and then, you know, you, you have to fight a bunch of their henchmen while trying to sneak in. There's there's a lot of stealth to some level, but at the same time, a lot of the time that breaks down. Like, it's stealthy until you do one attack, and then all of a sudden it's no longer stealthy. And uh, and then you find the boss. All the bosses are very different. I mean, they, they all look like, you know, big big bulky guys with guns generally, but they all have different attacks. And what I like about this, since it is a bounty game, is you get paid different amounts if you catch them dead or alive. Uh, the different weapons you have, and we'll get into the weapons in a little bit, but different weapons you have will do damage to either their health or their stamina. So if you can knock all their stamina out, they'll go unconscious and you can then capture them alive, normally for a lot more money. Uh, 
I love the first part of this game because I love going out after these little bounties. Yeah, we just covered Bounty Hunter, and you know, for for as fun as that game was, it was kind of light on the uh, the whole bounty hunting mm-hmm. uh, experience. It, it just was kind of thrown in there, it seemed like. But this one is all about bounty hunting. And uh, I have to say that I was not a big fan of Western style games back then. Of course, you know, these days, Red Dead is one of my favorite games of all time. But just the style back then of when this came out, uh, that was one reason I just kind of put it to the side and decided, uh, you know, I don't really want to play it. I didn't even have an Xbox at the time anyway. So it, it just kind of always uh, got away from me. And I, but it was one of those things. It was still an odd world game. And I do love the style and characters of those games. So I'd, I did eventually always want to give it a try. And finally, when I did, which uh, I was playing the Switch version of this one. I don't know what you guys were playing. But, uh, man, it just, the style, uh, the characters, just the way everything looks, it, it's totally like just a, a strange expansion of that odd world universe that you really never got to see beyond uh, when you were playing as Abe. Like, mm. there's not really any Abe characters in this game. Um, it, it's it's a, a bunch of different kind of species that you're you're kind of interacting with, and it is that Western setting. But it's so far out there that it, it just instantly grabbed me. And, and doing these bounties and, and wandering around and trying to figure your way through them, uh, you know, you can kind of use stealth if you want to, though it's not very good, uh, you know, and, and all these different types of ammunition uh, combinations that you can use. Uh, it just, it was, it just instantly grabbed me. And I was like, man, this is going to be the best game we have ever played for this podcast. Oh shit. Well, yeah, that, that is, that's a high, that's a high bar. Cause I mean, we've played mansion of hidden souls. Hold on. We haven't made it to the second half of the game yet. All right. <laughs> for the first half, I was like, this is my favorite game we have ever played for this podcast. Well, I like that the bounties are are short. You can probably get through a bounty in, in about half an hour, and that's that's a long oh, yeah. one. And and that's taking your time, and and you're trying to get the you know the, the alive kill if you can, so that you or the alive capture if you can, so that you can get more money. Uh, you you then take that money back to your general store that's in town, or next to the bounty store generally, and and buy upgrades to your weapons. And you know we mentioned that that the characters in the game all are these kind of weird little alien species uh, you know the, the townspeople are all like chickens um essentially walking chicken people but but the weapons themselves you get are also little animals and that's my favorite part of this game is your your weapon the only weapon you have because uh stranger doesn't believe in guns is you have a crossbow that has two different ammos you can you know have at once from a list of up to 10 that you find in the game the ammo you find isn't just like you you can just go to the store and buy it but also since they are live creatures they're often just wandering around the maps that you're on like one of the ammo ammunition you get is like a spider and when you you know fire it as your your weapon it shoots a web out and it will wrap the enemy in web so that they can't do anything mm-hmm. essentially it fully drains their stamina so they lay on the ground and you can capture them and get the get some extra credit for for capturing them alive as opposed to killing them and getting a little bit of money for killing them all you know, th- you'll be going through the level. All of a sudden, you see these two spider webs with these spiders going back and forth, and you can go and shoot those with like a little zap gun you have, and uh, or a zap. <laughs> it's not even a gun. It's like a bug that zaps, like a a lightning bug, and uh, and you'll zap them with a lightning bug gun, and they'll become ammo, ammo, and you can put it in your pouch, and you'll have more spider guys. So you you have to not just worry about making sure you are stealthy and that you can find the right people to fight or make sure you can, you know, ambush people the right way. But you also have to make sure you have enough ammunition. The only ammunition that is unlimited is that lightning 
lightning bug zap thing. Everything else, you have mm-hmm. to find the creatures and make sure you have enough. I, I love the animation. Uh, like when you are in that first-person mode and you have your um, your crossbow up on the screen, like the different ammunition you have will like move around and like make faces and all this other stuff. Like it's crazy how much detail they put into just that function. Yeah, and and you know a lot of games do that. They give you, you know, different uh, different types of ammunition. But th- but this was certainly uh, one of the more unique ways I've seen it done. And let me ask you, the the there's the little round ones, uh, and you lay them down for traps. Like you shoot them down, and and essentially they're like a landmine almost. The the enemy walks over them and they they latch onto them. Uh, I can't recall what were they called. Fuzzles. They look like fizzgig from Labyrinth. You say that I was going to claim, and I'll stick with this. That I think they were based on critters. They do look like critters, actually. Uh, <laughs> it, it's it all the the ammunition you have. So there's there's I'll go through them real quick because there's only a few, and they all are are different looking. They all have different abilities. So you have the zap flies, which is your charge zapper you get uh, at, at the start of the game. It's unlimited ammo, but there's a charge. Like as you zap, you know, use it once, and you hear it slowly build up till it's at full power again. And if it's not at full power, it almost does nothing. So you gotta, you know, you can't just use it like a machine gun. It's more like a, a pistol. Uh, you get the chipmunks. Chipmunks are just these. They look like chipmunk things. You throw them to the ground, and they make a bunch of noise. And enemies run over to them because they hate them. So it's a way to drag enemies. You know, if you need to get guys out of a group, you might be able to get one or two to leave the group to go. You know, check on this chipmunk you fired over in the corner, so you can then ambush them. The spider enemy that I talked about earlier is it's called the bolomite, and that's the net spider that I talked about. Fuzzles are the ones that Billy just mentioned. Uh, thud slugs look like big, uh, almost like pill bugs, but they're they're th- bigger and rounder. Uh, they do a lot of damage. They knock enemies over. Uh, you'll you'll need those definitely. I use those a lot. Uh, boom bats are explosive bats that you can fire out. They're they're kind of hard to find in the game, but once you have them, they're great. Stunks uh, let you drop basically a gas cloud in an area that makes everybody immediately choke, and you can capture them while they're choking. There are sting bees, which are basically used like a machine gun. Uh, they fire 30 at a time very quickly, do a lot of damage, and do a little bit of homing. And the last type of ammunition is wasps. You actually don't see them on your regular ammunition because you can only use them as sniper weapons. Uh, I didn't use them very often. I thought they were kind of useless, but it's a neat additional ammunition type. And I was, like uh, like I said, this is the first time I was playing this. I was actually pretty impressed with the just the amount of combinations that you can have of these uh, these different weapons because you can have two equipped at the same time on your little crossbow. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you've got your your whenever you put your ammo on, you you one to the left and one to the right, and using those different combinations, like being able to trap somebody and then throw some bees on them uh, or or something like that. Uh, it, it was more than I expected uh, a game like this from the Xbox. Uh, you know, this was back when uh, just doing a, a pretty basic shooter uh, was the standard and like having this many options kind of, you know, it makes this game feel more modern than it actually is. Even with like, um, you know, uh, running around uh, as a stranger, just, you know, kind of running and jumping in third person and then going into that first person view, which when that first happened, I was like, Oh my God, this is going to be a tragedy because you know, you just don't combine those two kind of games in a a kind of action platformer back then. And it works surprisingly well as a first person shooter for a studio that had never really done a first-person game before. So uh, it didn't hold me back, and it, it it was just, it made it even more fun to, to use all of those weird, unique weapons that he has.
tutorial section is basically the bounty you were on at the start of the game. You finish that, you go to the town. Now you can see you can pick different bounties. You can only take one at a time, but that, you know, that it fans out through the area surrounding that town. Once you finish all the bounties in one town, you then kind of get sent to the next town. And this happens for, uh, I think, four different stops you go to where you, you know, go to a town, find the bounties, do a bunch of bounties, then move on to the next town. Little events happen uh, in the first town, for example, after you uh, finish the last bounty, the brother of one of the people you captured earlier uh, attacks the town. You have to defend the town from, from him. Um, you know, little things to keep it more interesting than just do a bounty, go to town. Do the bounty, go to town. Do the bounty, go to town. They add a lot there to kind of keep moving things forward. But early on, you find out that what Stranger really needs is he's saving up for some operation. They don't tell you what the operation is. He needs $20,000 to do it. And, you know, even just looking mathematically as you're doing this you know most of the bounties give you like 200 bucks 300 bucks and then you can get some money in the mission itself uh, you can capture people whatever that might double it you might come back with 600 bucks still to earn twenty thousand dollars and that assumes you're not spending your money in the general store and all the upgrades which you should do uh it's going to take forever right so you figure either the the bounties are going to get higher faster or something will happen of course something happens um you find out i guess this is the the, the end of the second town that secto who is essentially the the main bad guy of the game. Uh, he's, he's obviously a bad guy because he looks like he's a big businessman. He owns the dam that's kind of, you know, stopped the water from flowing through this area of the town, which is why it's this dry western area now. And he's looking for a steef. They don't really define what a steef is. You just know that they're very rare. Apparently he thought they were all dead, but there's supposed to be one left. So he's looking for anyone to hunt down the last steef. And he's willing to pay you $20,000. So from that point in the game, you know, okay, here's here's what's going to happen. I'm going to have to find this steef. I'm going to have to, you know, at some point something's going to happen. I'm going to obviously, you know, fight this bad guy uh, businessman. That, that's just how all the Alperol games work. The, the big-headed businessmen are, are the bad guys, right? So at that point, you still kind of continue to do these bounties on your way to, to get to... Um, you know, the doctor's office where he's supposed to be able to do this surgery, but you are also trying to look for a steep this whole time. The game, up to the point that we're going to talk about in a second, is, like like Jeremy said, it's, it's fun because you can play it in little bursts because you have these bounties. You do get to travel around. You feel like you're moving through the game at a pretty good pace. Uh, and, and while you do end up with most of the weapons after about two bounties, it still feels like you're learning how to use a lot of them effectively, especially as you go to some of the newer areas uh, where stealth's a little more important than others, and you can really see how to use some of the ammunition you really haven't used too much. A mm -hmm. At a certain point, you know, during one of the cutscenes, you see that Secto has also hired another bounty hunter that, like, works for him to also look for the Steef, and he lets him know that you, you know, have offered to find one for $20,000. So he's going to track you down to try to find out how you know where a Steef is. And so after this, you know, this one set of missions, you get a message that the doc's waiting to see you over at the doc's office down this river. And you get there, and of course, he's been strung up, and this other bounty hunter's there, and, you know, they, they capture you. And their, their whole thing is they're going to find out how you know where the steef is, and they're going to get the steef information from you, and that way they'll get all the money. Uh, really get it back to their boss, so I guess that's their job. And this is where the game 
story-wise, makes a huge turn. Like I did not, exp- <laughs> I, I did not see this coming when I played this as a kid. I remember this being like, well, not kid. I was in my twenties uh, when I played this the first time. I was like shocked at this story event, and it changes not just the story of the game, obviously, but it almost changes the game completely from this point on. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Now I know neither of you had played this before. One, did you see that coming? Did you see the change coming? And, uh, I mean, Jeremy's kind of already hinted at this. Didn't care for the second half of the game as much as the first. I, um, I, well, first of all, the fact, are we to assume since his operation is $20,000, uh, the odd world is in the United States somewhere or another? To, to be fair, I, I don't know if it's dollars right. in this game or not. I'm not. I'm not sure if it's dollars or whatever their their changes. But but yeah, no. The fact that they there's they're in the weird wild west. You know, you figure there's there's no universal health care there. You got to pay for these operations. That's pricey shit. Go across, you know, to the UK, get it done for two, and be done. <laughs> but no, I did not. Uh, as soon as I heard about this, you know, this 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 race that you were looking for, the the last one. I think in my head. I assumed I knew where it was going. I assumed you would get there, uh, you know, draw draw down on them, and then have a change of heart, and you would spend the rest of the game uh, defending them. Uh, maybe you'd have like a fucking an escort, you know, stage after that, or for the rest of the game. No, I did not see uh, the direction this was going in, which was very refreshing, and I, and I was glad that I uh, had no prior knowledge of it because it, it, it's it's so rare that like a, a a big twist from an older game uh can make it to you without you having any any knowledge of it that's why i, I strongly encourage anyone with with any interest to in playing this game you know not to not to proceed on I, I would say within the next minute or two is probably a good cutoff point and then you know jump in after that but otherwise i mean shit they they took me for a real ride on this one yeah okay uh, if you if you're wanting if you don't want spoilers, cut it off now, because I can't talk about this without spoiling. It. <laughs> okay, uh, Jeremy will put in some sort of notes of when to come back if you don't want spoilers. But as of right now, going forward, it's spoiler time. So as I said, I, I love this game. Uh, as I was going through, it it was becoming my favorite uh, Oddworld game that I one of my favorite games I've played in a very long time. Uh, doing the whole Western thing. Uh, and just, you know, I wasn't really paying that much attention to the story. I just, you know, I was like, okay, Steve, whatever. Uh, you know, I, was, I, I figured it would all come together down the road after I, had you know, kind of beat the game and there'd be a twist there. Well, it's, uh, it turns out there is a twist about halfway through the game and, mm-hmm. uh, they, uh, you get, you basically get captured and, uh, then his pants come off and it is revealed <laughs> It is revealed uh, that he... Can we throw some erotic music in right there? I mean, there? I didn't know if this was, you know, some sort of new, like, Pornhub fetish category that I just hadn't heard of. But, yes, they, they took his pants off, and he's got deer legs. And I'm not talking about two legs, which, you know, you've been playing as this two-legged person, as, you know, mm-hmm. the stranger. Now he has four legs. He basically had his four legs bound up together. Uh, and I... All right, I'm going to tell you a deep, dark, dark secret. Right here oh, shit. we haven't had a dark secret on. We're going to hear about extra long. limbs or something. This is going to go dark. Your legs creep me the fuck out. They mm. sicken me. I cannot stand to look at deer legs because they just look like twigs. 
And every time a deer moves, I think it's they're just going to crack and crumble and they're <laughs> going to go to the ground and you're going to be able to see these bones underneath their skin, like moving around because it's all just busted. Like there's nothing there to support those legs. They're just sticks. So it has always bothered me, especially as someone that had just recently broken their leg. So I could just even feel that even more these days, especially when they, you know, show they had fucking deer legs. I was like, oh, my God, I don't know if I can play this game anymore. Like, he's got fucking deer legs. It just, it kind of sickened me. And then on top of that, it kind of takes a, a 180 turn uh, as far as, like, how the game is. Because it is no yeah. longer a a cool Western getting bounties, kind of going after stuff and being cool kind of game. And now it's like you are this weird tribal leader as the last of your kind. Uh trying to fight the big corporations and it's like what the fuck happened to this game like for all the the top 10 uh big switches or big plot twists and games that i've watched on youtube over the years this has never showed up and this has to be one of the biggest twists in anything i've ever seen in my life <laughs> i never expected this to just show up out of nowhere in this game that i loved it just it just killed me it, it i just I didn't know what to think. It it, it just ruined the basically the, the rest of the game for me. It, I mean, I still think it's a very good game. I, I just have my own problems with it. But it, it just came out of nowhere, and it was so strange. I mean, the game's called Odd World, of course, but god damn, this one, this one hit hard. Well, and, and for the rest of the game, unfortunately, in third person, you'll be staring at deer legs. So for you, I'm surprised you finished the rest of this game that mm. way. Because from that I, point I on... Could, I, I, go ahead. I didn't finish it. But I did. I I played enough to know that I didn't want to play any more of it because of just that was a big deal for me. Well, and and it does change the game somewhat. I mean, it still has the same, you know, engine. You're still in this third person. If you want to run around faster, you do go back into first person to get your crossbow. Um, when you first are captured and you escape, you actually don't have any weapons because they took them from you. And I was worried the whole game was going to change at that point because then you're only in third person. Uh, your only mm. attack is this like this spinning punch and this ram attack that I did not use very effectively. And I was like, oh, man, this is this is fine, but it's not what I was doing before. I really, really liked the ammunition and everything else in this game. I hope it's not going to be like this. And thankfully, it's not. Once you escape and you find, you know, the, the there's actually this other little tribe of creatures that worship Steve's, and therefore they, they were the ones that helped you escape, and they give you back your weapon. Um Although you only have certain ammunition from that point on, you do find the rest. You eventually get back everything you had. But the game changes because now it's just one big mission, which is to go forth and, and stop Secto at the dam. You know, they, they want the dam gone because their um, ancestral lands have been, you know, essentially ruined because the water stopped going there. And so you as the last thief are not only trying to save yourself, but you're trying to save this other race of of whatever these creatures are, and that means you now have to you know, infiltrate the dam. So it's just one long, long mission to kind of go go through these factory areas and, like, industrial areas. So you're, you're no longer in this wide-open western area for most of it. Now you're kind of just in these weird, almost steampunky-looking buildings and everything. It, it just changes the feel of the game. It changes, you know, it got rid of the bounties, which is something I really liked. Uh, now, instead, the same function you would have used before to capture enemies, you still do now. But instead, for whatever reason, the game uh, makes it so there's some, some like, magic pouch that the, those, those other guys give you that lets you convert people into 
uh, additional ammunition somehow. So <laughs> you still do the same functions. You even still try to get people alive if you can because they give you more ammunition, but it just doesn't feel the same. It doesn't, it doesn't have that Western feel anymore. It definitely feels uh, a lot more hectic. Enemies are a lot more prevalent. In the earlier levels, you know, you're trying to be stealthy. It's a guy with his gang, so it's, at certain points you have to fight, but a lot of it is trying to leave people out and you know, kind of get the advantage of them. I think once this, once the twist takes place and you're on your mission as, you know, openly the world's last thief, it just becomes more of an action game and less of a stealth game. Yeah, and, and, and it's a shame because the stealth, I mean, the first half, I, I, I didn't find it, I didn't find it ruinous. Like, I, I, I didn't get to that point and I was like, oh, well, I, I can't continue. One, because, I mean, I, I was... Still, you know, kind of, and it's halfway through. I mean, the game had established, uh, you know, some 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 good faith with me at, at that point. And and two, I do not have a a such a aversion to deer legs, which I, I I'm not poking. I, I can understand. You know, how how do you feel about a flamingo legs? Uh, anything, any kind of legs that are just very long and spindly and and twig like. Uh, I can't handle like it's just I mean I'm not just going to instantly throw up yeah. but uh just some anything that looks like that and admittedly strangers legs aren't like super super skinny but they are very deer like in in just how they look yes. uh and that that was just some, it just it was one of those things that just when it happened it just shocked me and th that's that happens so rarely in my life anymore so mm -hmm. with any sort of twist so uh yeah that yes I do get weirded out by anything that just has kind of those uh, stick-like legs on them. But I, um, I, I think my, my trouble was, if this was the entire game, like the game starts off with that fact, you know, you're the, the last of this kind, and you spend the entire game on the run, uh, uh, that's fine. That's all well and good. I mean, if this game continued just to be a bounty hunting game and, and the bounties got bigger and, uh, you know, that's fine too. But uh, I just, the bounty part of it was going so well. And like, it was so enjoyable, you know, the, the kind of light stealth aspect of it and just the bounty hunting in general was, was so well done. And yeah, coming off that star Wars bounty hunter game, it was, it was good to have a game that had implemented, you know, the, the, the whole bounty thing, uh, much better. Um, so yeah, I, I, it was just such a departure and it wasn't even a little departure either. This was just such a major departure that it's, it's jarring. Uh, it is, it's hard to really get into that second half of the game. Um, and I don't know if it's a testament that the second half of the game is bad. I think it's just that the first half was so good. And you thought you were going to have some more of it. And then all of a sudden, I mean, that, that it's long gone. I think that's that's another thing that got me was just how much I just genuinely loved that first half of the game. Mm -hmm. uh, it was it, it almost kind of insulted me when they took that away. I was like, you I, I was having fun. And that happens. That doesn't happen too many times anymore. So, like, I was having fun and you took it away. I mean, it's still the same thing, but it's just not the same it's almost like when, uh, you know, when we were talking about Final Fantasy XV, uh, when they just kind of take the open world away from you yeah. about, you know, halfway through the game and it's just gone. And like I, that just that kind of really insulted me then. So like, yes, to have a very uh, just the tone and the, the way the game was being played and how much fun I was having with it, just to have it vanish and, and turn into something that I that I didn't have anywhere near as much interest in. 
really, really kind of just killed it for me. Well, I finished this when it was new. Uh, again, I had it on Xbox, and I did play through the other half of the the second half of the of the game, and it's not bad. I mean, I I do think it's still a good game. It was one that I remembered very very fondly when you mentioned you wanted to do it. I was like, yeah, I'd I'd love to play this again. It's been a long time, and I. I <laughs> Especially after you know that twist is coming, and then when I started the second half of the game for this playthrough, it really did feel like it it slowed down. Like, my interest in it did lower. I felt like I had to force myself through sections of it, where when it was the bounties, I always I just felt like there were such small chunks of, of gameplay that you could just go do one real quick. Or you could do two or three if you had a little longer time, mm-hmm. and then you, you would still go back to town, and you'd wander around, and sure, the town's near useless but for flavor it felt good like you could talk to everyone in town you could you know go to the store and buy everything you needed to buy it felt like i i, I don't know it, it it felt like a a better and more current game i guess than than mm-hmm. what the rest of the game felt like yeah the second half feels like yeah. every other third person game but with this interesting first person shooter mechanic in it yeah just it, it just really uh you know just the whole upgrade system which i don't know if we mentioned or not like mm-hmm. buying more armor and things you know more capacity like the, it, it just just the way the game progressed it, it was so much it, it was very enjoyable especially playing on the switch because like you said these can be done pretty quickly and and just you know booting the switch up doing a bounty coming back to town buying upgrades and being able to do that over and over again yes it did feel like <clears throat> more of a modern game and and i did enjoy that uh but yeah i'm just i guess you know i've said enough on that second half it just really when things <laughs> changed it was it was not the same game for me and it, it really Really killed me because I just I love that first half so much. I, I love this game for half of it. And then it just I'm sure if I went back and, and could get by the whole deer leg thing and the twist, I, I'm sure I could be fine with it. But it was just one of those things that it twisted so hard that it just I fell right out of the car. Mm. Well, and you, you played it on the Switch, so it is worth mentioning the HD remake is out for a lot of things, including the Switch, and it has a couple enhancements. Uh one when you are getting those upgrades, it actually um, increases your character's health bar. And the original Xbox, that doesn't happen. Your health bar always stays the same length no matter what. Um, also, you said there's a run button, which is a huge help. In the original Must game... Must be fucking nice. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, is there just not a run button in the original? I did some, Let some research on it. Let me tell you how this damn run works. Okay. <laughs> I had... Uh, I am the reason this episode's a little late. I went on a cruise, and I was going to purchase this, and I was going to play it on the cruise. Apparently, uh, not only did it not download for me, I, I was sitting on the, the, the buy screen. Um, so, so, you know, I got back, and uh, the place I stayed for my work, it, it's, it's far off from home, and the guy, the guy here has a, a decent video game selection. He has an old Xbox, and he happened to have this game. So I've been playing that original xbox version and let me tell you i don't know how anybody held that fucking controller for more than 10 minutes uh (laughs) that aside to run on this thing it's not instantly it's not one of those things where you know you the tried and true established back with mario 64 you push the stick a little bit and you walk you push it heavy and you run no you've got to work up to this run uh, it wants to make damn well sure when you're pushing on that stick you you want to run you know what you're doing you start off at a walk and you slowly speed up into a run. There, there is no way to instantly begin running. Oh, that it, sounds that sounds bad. It it's, it well, sounds bad. It's pretty bad. It actually isn't. 
I got used to it pretty quickly. It is it is a interesting choice, and to know that there is a run button on the current versions of this game uh, makes a lot of sense. I'm sure that mm. it's somebody, you know, the Oddworld Inhabitants, the studio that made all these games, is not, I mean, other than these games, they'd never made games before. They were actually uh, animators, and they worked in, in movies and stuff. They just wanted to make a video game company, so that's why all the cinematics and all the visuals on these games are amazing. But some of the gameplay decisions... Uh, are not what you would expect because they were not game designers. These were people that had had a, an idea and a vision of the game, and they made the game they wanted. And I'm sure for these remakes, because they do kind of source these out to other companies, uh, somebody that did make games is like, we have to put a run button in. This is offensive without a run button. I <laughs> I don't know how you would do it. And yeah, it is. It is irritating. The other thing is irritating is when you are running, um, you'll just slam into things kind of uncontrollably sometimes. Like you'll you'll go around the corner and you'll just something will be there and you'll hit them and especially if it's like a townsperson you'll run into a townsperson and all of a sudden they get mad and they start firing at you and throw you out of town it, it uh <laughs> it's not the most uh effective control scheme uh in that third person but you can't run in first person i believe that's the same in the uh the hd remake uh, i i do i will say that uh for the time i i did not have i don't know if they did any more improvements uh on the switch besides the run button but i will say that it it, playing it was a joy. Like it was, it it did not bother me like a lot of those uh, third person platformers did from back in the day. Uh, it, it, it feels good to run around in. There's several stages where you do have to use that run and jump a lot, um, and it felt good. Like this was, it really surprised me just how how well this game has aged over the years. Where a lot of these 3D platformers just feel like junk that are from that mm. time. So yeah, I mean, yes, I could see. If it was just hold hold forward to run at some point, that would bother the hell bother the hell out of me. But um, otherwise, I thought it, it, it controlled really well. Now let me ask you this about it: Does it? This game pulls a dirty fucking trick. Uh, when you're going from one area to the other, or on the switch, do you have those long corridors of of hardly anything? Yeah, I mean it's exact. It's it's that. And I fucking swear they're doing that thing. You remember when Tony Hawk's American Wasteland came around with its no fucking load times? Yes. And the way they did that was had you go through like an empty ass stretch, a desolate mall and other things where you obviously knew it was loading up in the background. Yeah, this is I mean, this is still done in games today. Uh, Just give me the the damn loading (laughs) screen. The no load time is running through an empty hallway for, you know, about 10 seconds and then suddenly you're there. Uh, yeah, mm. it's it's still there, but it. I mean, it's just one of those things that they just kind of had to do. I'm guessing back then to to make this game the way it is, I guess which so. you know, for for a game back that came out in the original Xbox, uh, I I still I think it's pretty impressive what they they managed to do with it. Well, and even just the first half. Like, let's say, ultimately, you you only play the first half. You get to that switch, and the deer legs frighten you away, and you don't you don't play anymore. The first half of the game is still like eight to ten hours i mean you're, you're getting good gameplay out of it so um you know even if you don't finish it i think just to play through the bounty section of the game in the first half it's still worth checking out i mean i think mm. i think not playing the second half while i do recommend everyone that's going to play this go ahead and finish it uh, even if you don't i think you'll have a you know as, as jeremy has said you'll have a great time getting to that point like it's it's a fun game it has all the gameplay up to that point it's like you're gonna you're going to find something in the second half. You're like, man, I wish I could have done this earlier because you have all the abilities. You have everything you're going to do except for like a ramming attack you get once you're a Steve. Uh, you have everything for that first half. And the ramming attack, honestly, is a little awkward, and I didn't use it much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't I don't feel 
bad about it in, in the least. I don't feel like I wasted my money. I feel like, you know, that first half of the game, that's a, like you said, it's a good chunk of game. And I, I feel like I got my money's worth out of it just on that. And I'm sure one day when, uh, when, when things settle down, uh, as far as like what happened in that game and, and how much it affected me about halfway through, I will come back to it. And I will probably enjoy the, the second half as well if I can just not look at his legs uh, so I don't just sit there and, like, almost barf on myself. Mm. What do you got here? Sorry, partner. I ain't got nothing to sell you. Them damn outlaws have been holding up all my wagons. Said nothing for me, huh? Now, what did I just tell you? I don't got anything for you. Now get out of here. So that's our thoughts on Oddworld Stranger's Wrath. Again, you can find it. The original version's on Xbox, and I'm sure you can find that fairly cheaply uh, anywhere you're looking to get it. But if not, the HD remake on the Switch is actually probably the better purchase because uh, it does give you a few nice uh, nice additions, but also it looks way, way nicer. Uh, the Xbox version, while it looks fine, again, uh, a lot of those old systems... A lot of the Xbox games and like PS2 games, I find if you don't have a CRT TV, have not aged as well as you think they have. Uh, I thankfully do still have one here, but uh, when I played it on my my like HD television, it looked pretty rough. So getting the mm. HD remake is probably the right choice. Uh, but this week, unlike our last episode where we talked about fishing games, we have some listener questions that are not about fishing games. Uh, we do, and I you know I I did listen to the fishing episode, and I was. Like, very disappointed that I did not actually get onto the the second podcast about electronic fishing games because uh, that is it is one of my it's it, I I love any sort of fishing game or mini fishing game and I was so excited that you guys actually mentioned Final Fantasy 15 because it it was getting to that point that I was like surely you're going to mention Final Fantasy 15 oh, at some point we we had to and it's it's by yeah. itself better than the game. So, <laughs> yes, I, it, it was I was getting worried about three fourths of the way through. And finally, finally, it was there. It's like, all right, I can breathe easy now. We did get some comments. That we did forget some games on that. So I'm sure we will be revisiting the idea of fishing games yes. sometime in the future, uh, yes. especially as these shows uh, get a little messy for the next month or so. So schedule wise, we'll do what we can. But uh, but yes, there are other games about fishing that we did not really cover uh, and we will eventually get there. So you'll get your chance. Okay, all right, good to know. Anyway, starting off this uh, this podcast's mail section comes from Big Mike, and he's all about enemies becoming friends in gaming. Mm. Hey, guys, I'm a big fan of the show. I listen on the way to work nearly every day, and I always look forward to seeing what game you cover next. I was recently replaying Super Metroid, and one of my favorite retro gaming moments is the end sequence against Mother Brain. It got me to thinking about how much I enjoy gaming stories where a former enemy becomes a friend or ally for whatever reason. Proto Man and Mega Man, as well as Sonic and Knuckles, immediately came to mind, but there are plenty of other examples in gaming. I'm curious if you guys have any favorite enemies become friend friends moments in gaming. Thanks for taking my question, and keep up the awesome work. Big Mike? I, God damn it. I was going to say it like that. Fuck. <laughs> it went, uh, uh, Big Mike, uh, I have thought long, I've thought, well, I hadn't thought long about it because I've just heard this question, but I, and I hadn't really thought hard about it either. But uh, can I go on a little sidebar for a minute about the whole uh, the, the enemies, you know, kind of uh, turning and becoming an ally at the end? I mean, Indulge sure. me. Go for it. If you will, uh, I think it can only happen in like very lighthearted 
video games and movies like like uh, where the villain has not done anything too horrible like i think there's a line they can cross where there is no coming back um uh, star wars spoiler in return of the jedi when darth vader dies uh fucking what uh, i'm sorry yeah you (laughs) so many spoilers in this episode i gave you a little bit of time i gave you some time (laughs) to watch that thing but it's like if he had not died and he had still turned good uh, can you see him just hanging out like fucking dancing with the ewoks and shit i mean 30 years of fucking terror and you know you did one good deed but fuck you i mean still you're still a piece of shit um so yeah it's it's got to be just where the villain is it's maybe like half bumbling hasn't got really a body count to his name um and the one that comes to mind for me is and this blew me away as a kid is when bowser joins your party in mario rpg and and that was significant for me, because because you got not only did Bowser join up with you, but you got to play as Bowser, and he was like the heavy hitter. I mean, once he was on your team, he stayed in the party for the rest of that game. Um, uh, he was definitely the tank, and he he dealt the highest damage. And to see Mario and Bowser team up, that was that was something special then. And I mean, it's happened with them, uh, you know, since then. But but that first time around uh, really stuck with me. Yeah, Bowser's the one I was going to mention too, but not as much from Mario RPG, although that's a, a better pull. But even in um, the Mario Rabbids strategy game, like you get mm-hmm. to have him in your party pretty early. He's a great character. Uh, you know, Bar- Bowser's one though. I mean, in in general, the Mario universe, whatever you want to call that, that those series of games, like you know, they already have carding games where you can play as Bowser, and then you know, in Mario Party, he's the bad guy. But then there's all these. Uh, there's so many different games where you can play as as different bad guys from Mario that that wasn't too shocking and especially because both of those games are kind of outliers and a little tongue-in-cheek anyway they're not super serious games like you said you can't really do that when it is super serious I I see those things more often in in RPGs where that sort of thing happens you'll have somebody that you don't necessarily like and they join you and either become a good character but they aren't the villain that then joins you you know it's it's always Mm kind of like a a third level not necessarily bad guy, but like you know, a bully at the beginning of the game, or or a character that just doesn't like your character first. Like I won't deal with you, this this ruffian, and then like three chapters later, they're in your party. That happens a lot, but not not full enemies. There are not too many games like that I could think of, other than Bowser. Uh, yeah, I'm I'm not that big of a fan of like when two total opposites kind of come together because you automatically know that it's not going to last. Oh no. Uh, yeah, it's it's only there because it's for the benefit of the two people, and so it's like the characters aren't actually changing, and you're not really getting anything from the characters themselves. It's just you know it's just beneficial. Uh, I I'm, I think I'm a more more of a fan of the uh, the more gray area characters where you just don't know where they lie. Uh, one of my favorites was uh, from Shadow from Final Fantasy VI, mm. uh, where you know you just never knew where he he was just kind of always doing his own thing. And you were just like, when I was playing it back in the day, like this guy could easily just change over uh, to being an enemy at any time because he doesn't really have any allegiance whatsoever. Uh, those kind of fascinate me more than I think just the uh, the good coming together with evil because, you know, it's just going to go back to the the other side anyway. Uh, but yes, thank you, Big Mike, for, for sending your question. Big Mike! <laughs> I, you got it in. Do you feel better? 
Bill, well, wait, yeah, I think it's Big Mike. There, there we you go. go. All right. All right. I have one more in me. Okay. All right. Keep going because uh, a third one's brewing. So distract me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next question comes in from uh, Betty. I'm going to get either Bet or Betty. And uh, she writes in to ask about the state of current gaming. Uh, hey guys, first time to write in. I love the show. I was wondering what your thoughts were regarding physical games versus digital. I think we can all agree that the latter is infinitely easier, but runs the risk of being lost, like say Scott Pilgrim on the original. Oh, yes, I know. That, that's a strong, that strong PS3 title. While the former is awesome in every way, except you know the having to have more stuff thing. That said, if I'm buying new, I personally don't care a ton. However, I do often wait for a physical copy to drop to $5 before picking up most AAA titles, while a digital title rarely goes down. Uh, Betty does also write in a second half of this email <laughs> about the... Uh, we had a question uh, a few episodes ago about uh, lower regions and their, you know, what, they, what, what can happen down there uh, depending on what you eat. Uh, she wrote in a, a very thoughtful second half of that question, which almost made me throw up. Uh, I we will not read that here, but thank you so much uh, for for settling a lot of the the, the rumors yeah. and innuendo as far as like uh, letting us know from from the other side uh, as as to how that can go down. Yeah, I, I mean, neither of the three of us are experts on lower regions. You know, not even my own. I mean, I just, no, whatever happens no, down there, it, it just happens. It, it just happens. Yeah. Every time you take your pants down, there's a surprise. Um, I, I think we've discussed this a little bit before. I, um, I was a strong physical copy guy for a long time. Um, but since I started doing a, a traveling job and I'm having to, you know, pack all my stuff up and bring it along, it just made a lot more sense. That's what finally pushed me over towards mostly doing digital. Um, it's nice, um, like on, on the Switch, namely, um, I know I'm going to play a lot of Animal Crossing. I know I'm going to play a lot of Mario Kart, too. Um, Mario Kart, I do have physical, uh, so I can pop it in there, and I can I can just switch back and forth between those two or any other game. Um, I do still find myself sometimes, if it's a, a really big title, there's two instances. One, if it's a really big title, um, and something, you know, I, I, I know I've been really looking forward to, and, and, and this is only on the, the PS4 and the, and the Xbox switch. I'm basically all digital at this point. Um, you know, I'll want to get it on disc and, and kind of set it up on the shelf there and, and, you know, and all that. Uh, also maybe it might be something that my, my son's wanting to borrow afterwards, and also, it's uh, something I'll do if it's a game I really want to play, um, but I know it's 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 not something I'm going to revisit at any point in time. Uh, and I will, you know, just you know, give it to my son from there, or sell it, or or whatnot. Um, but I find a lot of times now I'm not really given the choice. Um, I like a lot of you know, like really that's weird, fucking quirky. I'm doing the exclamation marks thing exclamation mark thing, artsy, uh, independent titles that are hitting the switch left and right and whatnot. And, and a lot of those are just uh, digital only, even though I, uh, one of the local video game shops back home uh, has a lot of like li very limited run physical copies uh, of digital only games. 
those always intrigue me. And I don't know, maybe if I'm ever, you know, working steadily at from home again, that might be something I look into. Uh, but right now, I mean, I, I think the clear advantage of it is just, you know, you're not having to lug your system and 20 games around. Um, it, it's, it's all on there. It's all for you. You can jump back and forth. I can keep my fucking tired ass in the bed and not have to get up and change a disc uh, late at night. Um, yeah, I mean, I am more and more. If you would have asked me this a few years ago, I would have been strictly physical. If you would have asked me a year ago, I would have been like really on the fence. Uh, as time goes on, I'm becoming more and more of a digital guy. And, and I do think it's only a matter of time before uh, we, we're not really given much choice in regards to any titles at all. Uh, I think it will. We will eventually look at an all all digital format for things. Yeah, I, I pretty much am exclusively digital with the PS4. I'm the opposite, actually, as Billy here. I, I I end up buying physical games for the Switch only so that I can leave it out where my kids can play it because they're they're mm. six and eight, and I don't want them to have access to certain games. You know, I don't want mm -hmm. them to play. There's nothing necessarily I think is inappropriate, but it's a game they're not going to care about, and they're going to screw my game up. So. Uh, uh, Fire Emblem Three Houses I bought physical so that I could keep that cart away from them, and they can't play it. They can see it on the Switch, but they can't play it. Um, and, and for PS4, I buy mostly digital. I just, you know, it's easier for me to just download them, let them download overnight, and I can play them the next day. And my kids don't touch that. That's not that's not their system. They aren't allowed to use it uh, without me standing there. So I, I'm not worried about that. The other thing, and this is, this is kind of dumb, and I don't know why I feel this way. Uh, I used to like physical copies when I had to, like, hunt for them. I, I enjoyed that that part of it. I enjoyed if I wanted a game and it wasn't, you know, the day it came out, even sometimes if it was the day it came out, like I'd have to go and find it. I have to get up, you know, go to the store when it opens at 10 and make sure I get one of the two copies of this game. Like I really like that for some reason. Oof. And uh, and the fact that now I can just go on Amazon and order it makes it far less exciting for me to have that physical copy. <laughs> so I just download it. Yeah, I and I started going digital as soon as I could last generation. Like when the 360 started doing like, where you could actually buy full retail games. We have a hell of a thunderstorm going oh, right now. Oh, I was now. like, what is that? <laughs> that is a thunderstorm. We're bowling. Um, so hopefully this doesn't, doesn't get too crazy. Uh, I, and, like, I, I just... Uh, I, I've always been a fan of anything that I can... Even though I know I'm not owning it, I guess, I'm just licensing it. Uh, still, just the... Uh, just. The, the lazy person in me loves having a digital copy just sitting there where I don't have to find the disc, know that I put it in some, the wrong sleeve somewhere else and I've got to hunt it down by going back through like 15 different games that I've been putting in the wrong sleeve. Uh, it's it's just nice. And I know that's probably the wrong thing. My brother would probably punch me in the face because he's one of those people that is uh, physical or die. Uh, he, he basically refuses to buy anything digital because he will, some they will have to take his games away from his prime out of his cold dead hands. Essentially, uh, that that's just the way he is. Uh, but yeah, I, I will stay digital, and that's kind of the way I'm going to go next gen, unless it's just maybe one of those physical only collector's editions that for a game that I really like. Maybe if they ever make Bloodborne two, and there's a physical collector's edition, I'll buy that. All right, thank you so much, Betty, for writing in. And again, thank you for letting us know about how the uh, undercarriages of females work uh, and just the, the, the horribleness that can, that can happen down there. <laughs> uh, anyway, we'll move on to our next question. It is from Ben B. And uh, this is actually... Ben B? <laughs> I'm not letting you take that one from me. I, well, I didn't... You, you got it. You got it there. All right, and this one is actually for Jeremy P., 
and he's writing in about Johnny Turbo. Uh, can you confirm if Johnny Turbo for the Turbo Doer was ever popular in the States? I've never seen such a bizarre, strange, and unappealing character mascot campaign in my whole life. Why no one ever said this was a very bad idea confuses me very, very much. The way he digs at Sega, like using Fekka, and by encouraging kids to get their CD peripheral instead of because they had Sherlock Holmes on CD almost two years ago, made me have a laugh so hard that I couldn't breathe. Looking forward to hearing your thoughts. Cheers, Ben. I had to do a, a moment of research on this. I remember Johnny Turbo, but I, I didn't remember the, the, the Faka thing. Uh, it is, uh, so a little background, not going to waste a lot of time. You can Google this and, and find a, much more in-depth videos actually show you all this stuff in person. But basically, Johnny, that when the Turbo Graphics was sold, by NEC to a company called TTI, Turbo Technologies Incorporated, or something like that. They, they were basically like the second chance for this system in the U.S. And they released the Turbo Duo, which was the, the Turbo Graphics with a CD built in. Like before the CD was a separate item like it was in the Sega CD uh, that you had to buy for another like 400 bucks. So instead they put out the Turbo Duo that was cheaper and had both units together. And it was technically more powerful, I believe. It had a, at least a stronger... Um, they had, like, a special card that ran the CD player. Anyway, the, so when they TTI released the Turbo Duo, instead of using Bonk as their mascot, which was already, like, the second mascot for the TurboGrafx-16 anyway, they moved on from that. They said, no, we're not going to use Bonk. Maybe they didn't have the license to it. I don't know. They created their own character, Johnny Turbo, who looks like a kind of a fat guy dressed up like a G.I. Joe, and all he does is talk about how Sega was lying about how they're not... <laughs> they, they weren't the first CD-based system. The TurboGrafx was the first CD-based system. And it has awesome games like Gate of Thunder, and, like, it looks, it, it's a bad mascot, and there's comics that came out in, in some magazines. I think it was Computer Gaming World or something. And it's, it's just comics about him explaining all the benefits of the system, but written in, like, a comic format where he's this, this kind of G.I. Joe superhero character. It is bad. It is a bad mascot. No, it was not popular. I, I had to, again, I had to do a lot of research on that just to make sure I remembered things the right, the right time frame. No, it was not popular, and the Turbo Duo was not popular. I mean, that, at that point in the system's life, if you had a Turbo Graphics already and you were looking for new games, you had to find a place that special carried them. Like, they weren't in regular gaming stores anymore, and they were definitely not in major chain stores like a like a Walmart or whatever at the time would have been there. They, they didn't have Turbo Graphics at all. So if you were trying to find anything new at that point in time, you already were like a dedicated fan. It was not a popular system uh, at that time, and that character was mostly forgotten. If it wasn't for how bad it was, it would be completely forgotten. All right, I'm guessing neither Billy or me have anything to say about that because I'm not sure what he was writing about. <laughs> Glad you, at least you, I, you kind of knew. I can link, uh, I, I'll send out a, a link for it that... Uh, on, on the Twitter page, I guess, or, or whatever. But it, it really, search, do yourself a favor and search on, like, YouTube, Johnny Turbo. And there's actually a, a couple things that they've tried to, like, reuse that name. But the first thing that comes up is, like, someone talking about how it's the worst mascot, and it, it's pretty great. Okay. All right, I will check that out then. All right, thank you so much for writing in, Ben. And uh, finally, we're going to hear from Blues Brother 319 and he writes in to say, uh, or wanting more Dreamcast games, please. Uh, 
Hey, fellas, I wanted to reach out and say that I love the podcast. Seriously, you have the best retro game podcast around. I'm a Sega kid through and through and think the Dreamcast wasn't given a fair shot. I understand the downfalls of Sega, but I just love the console so much. Anyway, please cover some more Sega, maybe Boogerman or Decap Attack or even Jet Grind Radio. Thanks for being awesome. And on a side note, I love the layout of your website. It's so bright and colorful. Oh, thank you, Blues Brother 319. Yeah, I, w- I would love. I would, I would definitely welcome any more dreamcast i i was so glad when the uh when we eventually bumped up the you know the acceptable time uh for games on here because the dreamcast i mean that opens up a lot of great games and i, I i'm assuming it's only a matter of time before we we get back to another dream ta- dreamcast title yeah i'd love to do i mean jet jack ryan radio is one I'd, I'd love to do we we just added that at what episode 100 when we said we could go to these new newer consoles that are mm-hmm. now still 20 years old that's when we open up xbox ps2 and dreamcast and technically gamecube so there, there's we definitely want to cover some more but we still want to cover these older systems and know those older games so we're going to get to them eventually um about the games you specifically mentioned we did we have a video review of Boogerman. uh we have a i think we did decap attack as a podcast i'm i'm 99 sure that happened and that was a video review too it was a video review well, i think we have both yes. i think we have both of those yep. things because I, I remember playing it so uh, th- those two we covered, and again, Jack Jet- Ryan Radio, I would love to cover. Um, I know that specifically one person whose name is Dave is not a fan and thinks I'm a crazy person for still liking it. So I would love to cover that someday. Uh, but yeah, those those other games we have covered in some format, and and we do plan on doing more Dreamcast. Yeah, if you want to check out uh, Boogerman or Decap Attack, I got a couple of short, quick reviews on our YouTube channel. Uh, just uh, check out Retrovania.net uh, on on YouTube, and there's a we got a. It's, it's not as many uh, Genesis games on there as far as like reviews go, uh, but we definitely do have uh, both Boogerman and Decap Attack along with several more Genesis games uh, that you can look at at your leisure if I could talk. Anyway, that's going to do it for our questions uh, this week. Thank you all so much again for writing in. It's great to hear from you and uh, look forward to it every single time we do this podcast. So if you would like to write in and tell us what's on your mind about retro games or even modern video games, uh, just go to retrovania.net, scroll all the way down to the bottom, and you'll see the finest contact form you've ever seen. Fill that out, send it in, and through the magic of the internet, we can answer your question. It's the best thing we can possibly do right now. It's like social distancing, but through the internet. Imagine that, you know? We're just, we're doing our part. We are. We're trying to make sure that we stay far away from everybody uh, conveniently. Uh, that also works right now very well. Uh, so we're going to, uh, again, post... Uh, our bonus episode, either tomorrow or the or maybe even later today, it's gonna be all about Animal Crossing. And right now, until May first, uh, I guess if if this is way down the road and you're listening, until May first, 2020, uh, we are not charging anything on our Patreon. Uh, there's no there's no immediate charge when you sign up. There will be absolutely no charge to you until May first if you're still subscribed. So if you're looking for something to do, if you want to check out our bonus episodes, now's the time to do it. The links always in the description of this, and we'll be again all over all our social media pages, including Retrovania.net. And, uh, and you get another 20 episodes. Plus, we're going to talk about Animal Crossing, and we're all very excited to do that. And other than that, we will see you in two weeks with another game that will not be Animal Crossing. We'll see you next time.